0: Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 485. A murmur that rose at the end. A question. I heard Denna draw a breath and let it out again slowly. Because someone helped me once when I needed it, she said. And because if you don't get some help, you'll be dead in a span of days. Take it from someone who's made her own share of bad decisions. There was the sound of coins sliding on the table. Okay, said Denna. First option. We get you apprenticed up. You're a little old and it will cost, but we could do it. Nothing fancy. Weaving, cobbling. They'll work you hard, but you'd have your room and board and you'd learn a trade. A questioning murmur. With your accent? Denna asked archly. Can you curl a lady's hair? Paint her face? Mend her dress? Tat lace? A pause. No, you don't have the training to be a maidservant. And I wouldn't know who to bribe. The sound of coins being gathered together. Option two, Dennis said. We get you a room until that bruise is gone. Coins sliding. Then buy you a seat on a coach back home. More coins. You've been gone a month. That's the perfect amount of time for some serious worry to set in. When you come home, they'll just be happy you're alive. Murmur. Tell them whatever you like, Denna said. But if you've got half a brain in your head, you'll make it sensible. Nobody's going to believe you met some prince who sent you home. A murmur so soft, I could hardly hear it. Of course it will be hard, you silly little bint. Denna said sharply. They'll hold it over your head for the rest of your life. Folk will whisper when you walk by on the street. It will be hard to find a husband. You'll lose friends. But that's the price you'll have to pay if you want to have anything like your normal life back again. The coins clinked as they gathered together again. Third option. If you're certain you want to make a go... Of whoring. We can arrange it so you don't end up dead in a ditch. You've got a nice face, but you'll need proper clothes. Coins sliding. And someone to teach you manners. More coins. And someone else to get rid of that accent of yours. Coins again. Murmur. Because it's the only sensible way to do it, Denna said flatly. Another murmur. Denna gave a tight, irritated sigh. Okay, your father's stable master, right? Think about the different horses the baron owns. Plow horses, carriage horses, hunting horses. Excited murmur. And the pa- and that's the end of the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana.
1: I'm Jeremy. So
0: much murmuring. Oh my god. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it almost turns into like like stage directions in a movie or a play, right? Instead of like because really this is just Dena giving a long monologue as far as we're concerned the these state these really do take on just like the appearance of the the stage directions that come between dialogue and a screenplay
1: i hear it as onomatopoeia i hear it almost like that's the sound that both hears oh
2: yeah
1: yeah like yes that's that's true
0: I didn't, I didn't see it that way, but I like it. Pretty cool
1: writing. I don't think that's like necessarily intended, Jordana. It's not diegetic, but I think that's a way to read it. And it has, it's one of these nice things that only really works in prose, where because of the way your brain reads fiction, it does sort of play in your head to an extent. And so it kind of activates all your senses. I don't know. I like this a lot. I think this really works for me, this, this style. Uh, both because I like, when they do stage directions in uh, in, a, in prose, and also because I like the fact that it has, uh, has sound to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, do you read this as your father has a stable master or your father is stable master? Is it a possessive apostrophe or is it uh, a contraction apostrophe? It's a
2: contraction because then she says, think about the different horses the baron owns, not your father
1: owns. Mm-hmm. Right? So she's not like a noble, but she's comfortable enough that... She's, like, in and around the court.
2: And and also, a few pages ago, Denna asks, what does your father do? And then the girl murmurs and says, that's a fine job. But being a baron isn't a job, right? So she wouldn't say, oh, that's a fine job being a baron.
0: I mean, I must have, like, roles and stuff.
1: When you're a baron, your job is to collect rent. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they're called robber barons. But you know what? This This potentially... Uh, present some context that, like, maybe she, the reason she was getting pressured into this marriage was that it would, uh, it would be a, a marriage up. Yeah, maybe you know, like if if someone with a title wanted to marry her, that would be big for her whole her family. family, mm. um, not just for her, but for you know, it would be a big social climb for everybody.
2: I I really like the the options that Denna presents because again this is not just Denna offering this person advice. This is also like giving us uh, some insight into like the thought process that Denna probably went through and like the options that Denna herself considered in particular, uh, the last thing. And of course Mm -hmm. they all have drawbacks, right? You know, like if she gets an apprenticeship somewhere, like she's not going to have like an easy life, but she'd have some kind of control over it and she wouldn't have to go back home. If she goes back home, you know, she'll be safe, she'll be with people she knows, you know, her life might go back to the way it, she remembers it which would ha- which would be familiar but maybe not necessarily what she really wants and she would probably have to give up whatever control she's gotten over her life since she left and then face all the social stigma she would face for running away Uh and then the third way, which turns out to have been Denna's way, is like if you really want to make a go of it in the sex trade like you're going to do it the right way because otherwise you won't have a life worth living.
0: Do we assume that that's the way Denna did it because she knows enough about it?
1: I think that Denna figured it out. We'll talk about this tomorrow, but I think this is the closest we get to having it spelled out for us that what, what Denna is doing is sex work, Uh, maybe sex work by another name, but she's not just like having a series of boyfriends. She is engaging in a transactional relationship.
2: Mm -hmm. And I kind of get the sense that maybe Denna at one point did try all These other things too you know Mm -hmm. Maybe she ran away And then it got freaky and too hard and she went back Home and then she hated Like giving up that control and having everyone talk Behind her back so she left again Maybe she tried to pick up a trade but It was not the kind of life she wanted And she finally decided okay I'm gonna do sex work because I can control it and I'll do it
1: On my terms Mm-hmm. And what she gets to on the next page is that she's willing to put up with it because there's something she wants very, very badly. Um, although what that is, we don't know. I wonder where in her journey she was when she met Quoth, because I don't think she was she was like done. You know, I don't think she was she was ready. I think she was still off to learn something.
0: I posit an idea. What if the first time she meets Quoth, when she's in the wagon wearing more plain clothes, is when she's, like, if she is the person who, like, ran away from home to go do city, whatever, is, when she's in the wagon, is she's just leaving home. She hasn't hit the city yet. And then when he sees her, the next time he sees her after that, which is, like, a pretty like reasonable time, right? Like there's a there's a pretty big time gap there, right?
2: Yeah, because he's been at the university for like a couple of months. By the next time he sees her,
0: yeah, and then at that next time, then that's just, like she's learned a lesson by then, and is starting to figure out what she's up to. Is like sort of how I see that timeline working out, if it is in fact what is going on.
1: Yeah, I think that makes mm-hmm. plus, a lot of sense. plus if there's some some journeys into and out of Faye, then there can be some time dilation. And of course, okay, well, I was not. I was
0: not saying that there was any fay happening. Let's. I let, don't put a crackpot theory in my mouth when it's not there. <laughs> but sure.
1: Any other thoughts on this page? We uh, have a letter. Yeah, give us a letter. This letter is from RJ, who writes at Tack of the Quoth. Not my best work. Beloved ones, I see some similarities in Brayden's lessons in Tack and Vashet's lessons of the Catan and the purchase in I see some similarities in Braden's lesson in Tack and Vasht's lessons of the Katen and the purpose of swords. In both instances, someone is trying to teach Quoth, and he does not understand the true purpose of what they're trying to do. And in both instances he gets his ass beat. The purpose of TAC is to play a beautiful game, not to win. The purpose of the Adam Sword is not just to kill people, as Quoth thinks. He also gets in trouble with Vashit for assuming, every move, for assuming every move of the K-10 is to defeat an opponent. I know Brayden and Vashet are different people, and I assume they have very different worldviews. But I found the symmetry worth noting, especially as you often talk about how Quoth fails to see the bigger picture. This also, to me, telegraphs how violent Quoth's worldview can be. What do you think? We are also lucky to have you three in our podcast feeds daily hugs signed RJ.
2: RJ. I, I think you're right on the money. I think that both of those examples are uh part of uh, a, a pattern in Cloth's life, because that's also what Elodin is constantly trying to teach him. And he does not absorb, right? Like you're not understanding what I'm trying to teach you about naming. If you could only you know, free your mind and 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 learn the way that I'm teaching you, and not come in with all your preconceptions of what it is you're supposed to be learning. You would actually learn the thing you're meant to be learning. Uh, I think that that is a consistent theme in this book, and I think that it's uh, worth noting that like every teacher Kvothe has basically tries to impart this same idea to him that like you understand the like the mechanics of it you have a very like clever mind but that doesn't mean you understand the purpose of it you don't understand the why
1: and I'm also uh, on this read in particular I'm very uh, attuned to the moments when Quoth's inherent passion for violence comes out and I think you're right RJ that this is another one I think passion for violence is the wrong word his propensity to violence as a as a sort of default setting I think is I'm certainly noticing it a lot more on this read.
2: Hmm. I mean, I really do think that part of that is just the fact that like, this is a fantasy book and fantasy books tend to have, you know, you know, people of action as their protagonists, people who are willing to take action and often violent action because in a fantasy universe, often you live in a violent world. Uh, but I also think that in Quoth's case in particular, you know, his, parrots were murdered in front of him and he spent three years eking out an existence in the cruel streets of tarbine where he learned that like sometimes the way you solve a problem is you light somebody on fire because there's nothing else to be done about it
0: i think that the the details that it's not i feel like the detail is that it's not just violence it's aggression like his violence is not always just violence it's violence paired with aggression
2: uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to I, I, I don't
0: as opposed violence is not always like seemingly you would think that all violence would be uh, aggressive but not all violence is some violence is defensive some violence is protective and it doesn't necessarily make it aggressive
2: yeah but i mean i'd argue that both setting the guy on fire in the alley is protective not aggressive mm, he's i think preemptively it walks it a- he's setting that guy on fire so that that guy doesn't kill him later
0: yeah maybe in that situation but i also (laughs) think that on this read we are we are more prone to see close more aggressive tendencies like as far as the way his friends react to him and i think that that also plays into the things he does that are violent like i think maybe he wouldn't be prone to as much violence or maybe he would be prone to different violence if it was if he wasn't so aggressive
2: I mean, I feel like he wouldn't be prone to violence if he hadn't endured an existence that taught him that you have to be violent to survive.
0: Right, but what I'm saying is that that also... Like, that same trauma that educates his violence also educates his aggression.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm saying the same thing, Ben.
0: What I'm saying is there's a a difference between violence and aggression, and he's got both. Not all violence is
2: aggressive. Right, and I'm saying... Like... Yeah, I, I guess we're saying the same thing. Like, he would if he if his parents had never died, he never would have learned that violence is necessary, so he would never have become a violent person.
0: I mean, yeah, that's that's reasonable, but I I don't think that he would never have become a violent person. I think that his violence would just not be as aggressive. I think that the potential for him to be a violence per, violent person is not dependent on whether or not his his parents were were murdered. Like, I think that he could be a violent person still, regardless of whether or not his parents are murdered. He just might might not have as much aggression when he does violence. Okay. Because his his violence and, like, if his violence is educated by his parents being murdered, he's got some aggression related to that because he's upset that his parents were murdered versus someone who is who is violent, maybe whose parents weren't murdered, wouldn't necessarily be mad about something when they're being violent because they've got nothing to be mad about.
2: I think that we're violent. saying the same thing with different words, so I'm not okay. going <laughs> to argue about this with you anymore. Okay. But I also like I don't think that a person who uses violence is a violent person necessarily.
1: All right, I'm going to nip this one in the bud and say that's our show, folks, for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Although, as you may have heard yesterday, we are planning to take a bit of a break once we hit the halfway point at page 497. Uh, but until then, keep listening for us every day in your pod snatcher of choice. I've been Nick.
0: I'm always Jordana.
1: I'm Jeremy. And we are Paige. And together we are Page of the Wind. wind.